This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host, Bill Snyder, and on today's program, I am blessed to be joined by Pat Smuck. Pat has over 70 years of church volunteer service, beginning with the Legion of Mary that she joined in fourth grade. In addition, she has continued her service as the Archdiocesan President of Chicago for the Council of Catholic Women, and she works extensively with the Sister House in Chicago. She is a current member of St. Joseph's Catholic Parish here in Libertyville, Illinois, and she is a mother of five and has eight grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren. So, Pat, thank you so much for being here with us to share your story with our listeners on WSFI Spotlight. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me here. So, Pat, I want to ask you, I mean, 70 years of church service, that's unbelievable. I think it's almost unmatched by any previous guest we've ever had here on WSFI Spotlight. And I want to ask you about getting involved at such a young age with the church. What drew you to the Legion of Mary in fourth grade? Well, I used to go to church after school, and I would sit uh, at the Pieta statue, and I would hold on to Jesus' hand and tell him all of my problems. And he was so listening and so good to me. So I would watch these young women cleaning the altars and scrubbing the floors and and washing the pews, and I'd think, oh, I really want to do that. But they all looked like they were in high school. So I asked them if I could join them, and they said, well, we don't usually have kids your your age, but... I guess you could come if you want to because you always seem to be here when we're here. So I joined them then. And oh. it was a very productive time. That's incredible. Tell me about more about holding the hand of Jesus on the Pieta statue. There's such a rich story there. Well, my family was a little dysfunctional. My dad had a drinking problem and my mom worked. and. So life wasn't always really fun. So at, after school, I would go over to church and I would sit on the kneeler and do my homework. And, and then every now and then I'd hold Jesus' hand and tell him, tell him all my problems. And then I would go on home and things would be more bearable. And it just seemed to work for me. And he became my very close friend then. And it has been to this day. That's beautiful. And your work continued in high school as well. Tell me a little bit about your service work and all of your involvement in high school. Well, in high school, I got involved with the Catholic Students Mission Crusade. And what we did was we collected stamps and we collected funds. And I'm from the era of buying pagan babies. So we were still buying pagan babies in those days. And so we we did that through our high school work. And they invited us to go to a retreat held at Notre Dame. Well, I had always heard about Notre Dame and was thrilled to be a part of being this going to Notre Dame. Well, what was even more thrilling was this young priest that was there who was the director of the Catholic Student Mission Crusade Convention. And he would sit on the steps with us at night and talk to us and everything. And it turned out he became Bishop Sheen. And so he was a very powerful man in our lives when, as high school girls and in our work for the missions and everything. He was very, he was always charismatic. And as a young person, young priest, he was charismatic. 
And as we all know, when he became bishop, he was even more charismatic. That's unbelievable that you had the ability and the time to work with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. What a legend just to be able to interact with him. He was just down to earth and ordinary and asked us girls what we were going to do to change the world. Wow. Unbelievable. So you continued your involvement as a young married woman with the Christian Family Movement. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. The Christian Family Movement were families that came together. We met as a group and decided on projects that we could do that would enhance our families as working together. Even though we had young children, we would take them with us when we would go out to call on people and My husband belonged to the Legion of Mary, and he would go out and call on new parishioners every week, new people that moved into our parish. They were not necessarily Catholic. And so he had a partner that he went with, and and then he would bring these people into the church, and they would join us at Christian Family Movement. And we would go to poor neighborhoods and paint people's homes or go and repair things that needed to be done or take them food and that kind of thing. So that was our beginning as a young married couple. Pat, you've also had some incredible struggles and and strife in life as well. I want to ask you about how you dealt with and and really brought your family through some incredible tragedy. One of your children, Mary, was murdered. Can you talk about living as a mother of five and having a husband? I mean, what an incredible tragedy. Can you just talk about that? Well, my husband traveled a lot for his job, and Our daughter Mary was our second child, and she always was a free thinker. She did what she wanted to do, and sometimes it wasn't always the things that she should have been doing, but she had a way of getting away with it and not being caught. So she decided to get involved with the Rocky Horror Picture Show group, and they said, oh, there's an opening in Florida. So she and her girlfriend were going to hitchhike to Florida, and but they told me they were driving with her brother the other girl's brother and so they went off to florida to be in the rocky horror picture show and on the way to florida the man who picked him up hitchhiking i don't know what transpired we never will know what transpired because he took my daughter out in the woods and and murdered her then the lady that was with her the young girl that was with her he tried to murder her two days later and she escaped from him because she pretended like she was dead. So that was that was the thing. The hardest part was telling my husband and my children that their, their sister had been murdered. That was, the policeman just called me. But a friend of ours, his her picture was on the front of the Chicago Tribune before we ever knew she was dead because she died on Tuesday and we didn't find out till Friday. So our friend was coming home from work. He opened up his Tribune to look at it on the way home from work. And they were very close friends here in Libertyville. And he had a heart attack. And they had to take him off the train. He was so shocked. So it was very shocking to everybody. But I don't know. We survived. It was a hard time. I did say we had lots of reporters. And I said to the guy, he said, well, what do you think of this guy? I said, I think he's very sick. And I think we need to pray for him so that he doesn't harm anybody else. And I truly, truly believe that. What an amazing, grace-filled response to such horrible unbelievable experience and and, and an earth-shattering thing in your life. You have to find something good about in everything that happens. And I'll tell you, the people of Libertyville were so fabulous. 
hundreds of people came to our front door bearing food, bearing flowers, just coming to give you a hug. I didn't know most of them, but they were there and they came. It was just so powerful. They were Jesus holding us up. It was really a really wonderful experience for me to see how people reached out to us at our time. And so it gave me a lesson that what should I be doing when someone else has a time like that? That's really just a beautiful way to highlight the the message of forgiveness and about hope in, in such terrible time. What an, what an inspiring story. I know that our listeners are, are gaining something from that. We're talking with, by the way, for our listeners who may have joined us late, we're talking with Pat Smuck. She has had over 70 years of church service, beginning her service at, in the fourth grade with the Legion of Mary, and has been involved in so many different things. Uh, she's a mother of five, eight grandchildren, and eight great-grandchildren. Uh, we do have to take a short break, believe it or not, here on WSFI Spotlight. So we're going to come back and talk with Pat more about her amazing work in the Archdiocese of Chicago and, and just her wonderful journey of faith. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back after this. I'm your host, Bill Snyder. Hello, I'm Sister Marie Julie. I've been a Sister of Charity for 50 wonderful years. It's by the grace of God that I'm a sister. And I often listen to Catholic radio. And I, I feel that it feeds the hunger of the world. There are so many people who are longing for God, yearning for Him, don't realize where the emptiness comes from or where it's going. And Catholic radio can help to meet that need. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and nightlights. We have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal-sized Bibles, prayer books, and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the godparents and sponsors. We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. 
I'm Bill Snyder. On today's program, we are talking with Pat Smuck, just a wonderful lady of faith and has been involved in so many different facets of the church here in Chicago and all over the country. And right before the break, Pat, we were talking about just the heartbreak and and terrible situation of your daughter Mary being murdered, but it prompted something in you to go and work with Teens Encountering Christ. Can you talk a little bit about that work? Well, I always say when God gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And I had the opportunity because I was invited by a friend of mine to become involved with Teens Encounter Christ, or tech, as the kids called it, and they were seniors in high school. And they were required to have a retreat, and this was a program the Archdiocese offered for them. But I had an opportunity during those times to share my story about my life with my children and to let them think about their lives with their parents and their families and to see if they they needed to change anything so that if they wouldn't have a tragedy that happened. And I was so privileged to be able to do that for about 10 years in all different positions. Sometimes I was the director of the retreat. Sometimes I was just a team member. Sometimes I was a supporter. But it was a, a very important time in my life to be with these young people. And I think it sort of replaced or maybe allowed me to think of some things I may have missed with my daughter that I could share with them so they wouldn't miss that in their lives. We had some pretty wonderful miracles in my time in tech. <laughs> and so it was very time very well spent. I really treasure it. And I'm still friends with the people that I did tech with. That they're now adults and have children of their own. Is there any one story in particular from the years that you worked with them that sticks out? Yes, there is. There was a young man who we have a, the prodigal son talk, and, and I had given the prodigal son talk, and I had said during my talk that my daughter, the one who passed away, one day had gotten mad at me and beat me up. She was red-haired, and she had a temper, and she beat on me, and so I shared that. And so this boy, who was a big hotshot, drove a convertible, and was really the king of the hill, he started to cry, and so he came over to me afterwards, and he said, can I call my mother? And I said, sure, you can call your mother, but why do you want to call your mother? He said, well, your talk made me really think. He said, "I, my dad died a few years ago, about four years ago, and everybody told me at the funeral, now I was the man of the house. And he said, so my dad used to beat my mother all the time, and so I've been beating my mother ever since then. And I was, like, shocked. So I, t- I took him up and let him call his mother, and, and he cried, and, and so she wanted to talk to me. So I, she said, do you think I should come out there? And I said, no, I think he's with his peers. He's with us. You come tomorrow. It'll be important for you to be here tomorrow. Well, the reunion between the two of them was unbelievable. Everybody just stood there with their mouths open. So it was so wonderful that that could happen. Wow. That's that's incredible. I have tears in my eyes. So I want to ask you just a little bit about, obviously, working so much with, with these teens and helping them and doing great, great work. Obviously, that you were, you were involved with the Council of Catholic Women and served as the president uh, beginning in 1986. Do you want to talk a little bit about that work? Because there's so much behind that. There's, there, there's other initiatives uh, to fight pornography right. and other things. Kind of encapsulate that for us. Well, and, and the Council of Catholic Women is a worldwide group, and so during that time, I was privileged, very privileged, to be able to go 
to worldwide meetings, to national meetings, to local meetings, and to, to really get to meet people, women of the world, and know that we are, women are the, Catholic women are the voice of women in the world today. It's, it's important. So that was what I, I was so privileged to be able to be a part of. Some of the things we did was we built water, water wells in Africa. We would have collections of monies for that, and we would send the money to CRS, and Catholic Relief Services would build these water projects. And one day we had a seminar at the UN, and this beautiful young African woman comes running into the seminar, and she said, oh, are you the Council of Catholic Women people that I'm looking for? And they said yes. And she said, I'm here to tell you thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. She said, I can be here working at the United Nations today to make a difference for my people because you provided water for my con- my community, mm-hmm. and I was able to go to school instead of walking 10 miles each way to get water twice a day. So I am able to go to – I have been to college because of you. And I my whole community – thanks you from the bottom of our hearts. So those are the kind of good things that happen when the Council of Catholic Women works together to make a difference in the world. You don't just make a difference where you live, you make a difference all over the world. So that's, uh, we're a very powerful group of women and we have to, we have to let our voices be known. Right now we are working, uh, we've worked with pornography, right now we're working with domestic violence. We have a new program out on the streets with for domestic violence and it's it's going over because you'd be amazed the number of women that come forward and say well yes I've been a victim of domestic violence or yes I've been a victim of pornography and it's it's a really great opportunity for women Catholic women to come together to to change the lives of other Catholic women so I worked with Cardinal Bernadine very closely on the uh, pornography deal, and he would—he took me to Washington with him for, for several meetings, where we were able to be a part of a book that was written by the Secretary of State on pornography. We traveled around the country, doing making presentations, having victims and perpetrators speak to us because perpetrators that have served time in jail have to go out and and talk about why they did what they did. And so it was very, it's very interesting to hear why they do the things they did. And the one guy was talking and he said, well, our, the best place where we would c- capture children to make children pornography was at Hawthorne Mall in Vernon Hills. And I'm sitting there, I almost fell off the chair because I live near Hawthorne Mall in Vernon Hills. I live in Libertyville. And it was like, oh, wow. So he said, well, what we do is we send someone in with a stroller who, who chloroforms a kid in the bathroom by themselves and take them out, put them in a truck. And by the time we get to the Wisconsin border, they've been drugged, had their hair colored and cut, and their clothes changed. And they take them to up in the north part of Wisconsin and do pornographic pictures of them. So that was like, wow. Did I want that to happen to my children who go to Hawthorne Mall? No. So that makes you even work harder. How scary is that? And right. Literally in, in, in the backyard. Yeah. So thank you for your work in, in fighting that. It certainly is very, very important work. I want to ask you also a little bit about serving as the chairman of the Archdiocese uh, Women's Committee and, and working with Cardinal George. You have some wonderful stories about working with our Cardinal Emeritus. 
Cardinal George was seemed like a very stoic man, but once you got to know him, he was a very kind, gentle person. He was hard to deal with man when it came to business-wise, but when it came to being personal, story that hardly anybody knows about Cardinal George is that he spent most Saturday afternoons counseling with the victims of priest abuse. He spent lots of hours with these children, I mean, they're adults now, and trying to to talk with them and, and help them get through their, their pain, because that pain never goes away, and he worked very hard at that. He was also, he had a, a great sense of humor, and I um, thank God, because I have a funny sense of humor, and he, <laughs> yes. he appreciated my funny sense of humor. He always gives people a picture of himself when you're finished working with him, and it says, thank you for your service to the Archdiocese, signed Cardinal George. And so the month before I was going out of being chairman of the Women's Committee, I gave him a picture of myself that said, thank you for letting me work with you, Cardinal George. <laughs> so he got a really big kick out of it, and he put it on the in the library at their house. So it was like, oh, okay. But he was a very, it was a very kind man. I, I can't say that enough because he didn't come across that way usually. People thought of him as being very hard, but he wasn't. And he was very supportive of all the things that the Council of Catholic Women wanted to do. He was very supportive of programs we suggested because, as you know, you have to get permission to do these kinds of things before you embark on them. So he was a, a very great supporter of women in general. He appreciated their, their knowledge, he appreciated what they brought to the table, and he listened to them. And that was something that women were not used to. So I, I really feel like it was, it was my privilege to be able to work with him. One day my granddaughter, my great-granddaughter, was taking the gifts up at, at Holy Name Cathedral for a special mass that the sharing committee had, and he came over and he he leaned over and said, what's your name, little girl? And she says, Madeline Arthur Dunsworth, what's your name? And he says, Francis Cardinal George. And she looked at him and said, are you the chief? You have on the chief's hat. <laughs> so I leaned forward and I said, Cardinal George, this is my great granddaughter. And he looked up at me and said, and why am I not surprised? <laughs> so so af as we went out of church, he said to her, the chief wants you to come back and visit him, Madeline because I've enjoyed mis visiting with you. So I think a little humor is good in everybody's life. And he yeah. had certainly had his share of humor, that's, that's as well as great leadership. <laughs> what an awesome way for you to really interact with him and be able to work with him side by side. Not many people that can say that. So, so that's amazing and wonderful that you had so many grace-filled years with his eminence. But I want to ask you a little bit more about your current work with Sister House and also some ecumenical work in the time we have left. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work with Sister House? You, you go down to one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago and uh, on a regular basis still and, and, and help these women. Sister House is a, was started by a sister of school sister of Notre Dame, Sister Ann Mayer. From, she was at our sharing parish presentation at St. Joseph's Sharing Parish. And she found these girls would be on the corner selling drugs, buying drugs, being prostituted. And so she decided that if she could get these girls out of the neighborhood, they wouldn't go to jail and come out and then go back to jail and come out. So she rented a convent that was not too far away from North Lawndale. It was in the Austin neighborhood. It's on Leamington. And she took these girls over there, and they, they were able to recover. But she needed a program, and so she was developing a program. 
And unbeknownst to me, my husband and a man from St. Joe's, she asked them for money. Because sisters don't have any trouble asking for money when they need it. She knew that they would want to help her. So they provided the money for her to rent this house. And then about a year later, she called me and said, would you come and start, help me start a board? So we started a board. And we work through everything, and we have our women. We have 20 women that are there at all times. They stay for three years. There's there's different steps in the program. The first 90 days, they stay in the in and they the drug rehab program. That it's like AA, and they go to AA meetings, and they go to have their blood tested to see that they're clean and safe. Even though they're in a bad neighborhood, the drug dealers are on the corner in the neighborhood. However, one time we had somebody that robbed Sister Shannon on her way to the grocery store. Mm. They had her over. They were filing a police report at the police station, and in comes the two drug dealers on the street corner, and they thought, oh, here comes trouble. And the guy says, we are here to tell you that we had nothing to do with Sister Shannon being hurt. We are devastated because we protect those women. We admire what they're doing, how they're trying to change their lives. And we don't let anything happen to them. We even meet them at the bus line when they come home after midnight from work and walk with them so they're safe. So we're going to find this guy. A week later, and they come dragging this guy in with them, with her purse. Wow. So the people in the neighborhood even appreciate the fact that they are there. But these women, one of them has gone to college. We've had several go to college, but this one graduated, and, and she was so proud of herself. At graduation, she introduced herself by her prison number, but she says, now I have a college degree and I can move forward in my life and not rely on my prison number every day to identify me. So these are the good things that happen, and this is why we do this. And some days when things are not going well and we don't have any money because our building is in such bad repair, we rent it from the archdiocese, but we can't get any government money because we don't have all the proper things you have to have in order to qualify for government money. So it's all according to grant writing and that kind of stuff and people being generous. And so one day this, we were really low. We didn't have money. We had, everything was broken. So this girl says, you know what keeps us going? The president of the board said, it's God and two policemen. Thank God for them. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we're still going. It's been 33 years. We still have a graduation class of, of probably 15 girls a year, and it's wonderful because they, in order to graduate, they have to be in their own apartment and have a job taking care of themselves. Wow. That's unbelievable. So those are the good things in life. Yes, yes. I want to ask you, I could listen to you talk for another five hours, but unfortunately, time is running short really? here. Yes. <laughs> and I, I just want to ask you, there's people in the car right now who are home making dinner and they're listening to this radio station and they're listening to this incredible interview, just totally led by the Holy Spirit. And they might be struggling or they might be looking for some advice. Do you have any advice for those people who are listening right now? Well... I always think today's over and tomorrow's yet to come and you got to make a difference in somebody's life some way because that gives you a lot of of joy in your life if you can make a difference in someone else's life and I I love making a difference in someone else's life it's like giving money to the guy that's a homeless guy on the street corner and one day I I passed one up and I was walking with this priest friend and he said you didn't give that guy any money. And I go, yeah, well, I didn't have any extra. He goes, 
yeah, but how do you know that wasn't Jesus checking you out? And I thought, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe it was Jesus checking me out. So <laughs> I've become friends with all the homeless people on the corners <laughs> down on, on Superior Street when I'm walking to the parking lot. It's, it's you watch them and you, you want them to be whole again. And so maybe a smile, a, a hug, and, and a dollar makes a difference in their lives. And if I can do that, I'm happy. I'm very happy when I can make a difference in someone's life. Well, Pat, you've made a difference in in lots of people's lives over the course of your life. So thank you so much for your service to the church. Thank you so much for the gift of who you are. And it has been a true pleasure to talk to you today. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me come and share my crazy life with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been an episode of WSFI Spotlight. Until next time, from all of us here at WSFI Catholic Radio, I'm your host, Bill Snyder. Thank you, and God bless. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org. WSFI is on social media. Follow us on Twitter at WSFIFM and like us on Facebook by searching for WSFI Catholic Radio. Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, host of Pro-Life Today on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. It's a half-hour conversation with leaders in the pro-life movement committed to protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Or listen anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. That's Pro-Life Today, every Monday at 3.30 p.m. only on WSFI Catholic Radio.